Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. Hear that? It's the call of the crave. And when the crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 bacon bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hello and welcome to How to Be Fine. I'm Jalanta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. In each episode of How to Be Fine, we weigh in on what's happening in the world of happiness, health, and betterment, and we offer a bit of advice to those who want it. Full disclosure here, we are not psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors of any kind, but we are experienced self-help critics. We have lived by the rules of almost 100 self-help books for our other podcast, By the Book, which is available here in this same feed if you just scroll back. So needless to say, we've tried on almost every kind of wellness trend out there, so you can maybe trust our opinions. <laughs> and besides, we're not here promising to make all of you the best, richest, happiest, most productive versions of yourself. If all goes well, we'll just help you to feel a little closer to fine. Okay, Kristen, we have a couple really interesting advice letters to get to later in this show. But first, as we always do, we are starting off with our hot topic. And Kristen, you are bringing us the hot topic this week. What is it? Today's hot topic is the soft life. Oh, the soft life. I feel like I've heard of this. 
You have. I'm guessing you have. But confession here, I personally only heard the term soft life recently from our executive producer, Nora. But when I did some digging, I found it everywhere. Jolente, you are always on TikTok about a thousand times more often than I am. So I'm guessing you've seen it there. There have been loads of articles written about it. Apple Podcasts even has its own soft life subcategory of shows that they are promoting on their app at this very minute. I was just scrolling through them today. Wow. I had no idea. Yes. And uh, for those of us who aren't quite clear on this subject, what exactly is the soft life? Well, at first glance, it may look like it's just about face masks, relaxation, and escaping the hustle, but the term originally emerged from the Nigerian influencer community as a way to imagine what life can feel like apart from the realities of Black women's labor, to prioritize the richness of experience and throw oneself into joy. Nicole Jenkins, who's an assistant professor of sociology at Howard University, told Insider, It's a new rendition of self-care that is unapologetically prioritizing what it is that we need in rejection of the strong Black woman narrative that so many of us have been cultured into really adopting. Oh, okay. So this all sounds excellent, and I am 100% in favor of this. I love this. How long has the term soft life even been around? I feel like I just started hearing about it. Well, according to Dictionary.com, the term soft life as a general phrase meaning a life without difficulty has actually been used since at least the mid-1600s, but but in its current iteration, only since 2020. Okay. And as TikToker Tanika B sees it, there are concrete reasons why. She told Anscape, we've seen the rise in public racism, a clear economic downturn, the ongoing threat of COVID-19, as well as the abysmal deterioration of Black maternal health, domestic violence, and threats to reproductive rights, and the consistent rise of Eurocentric beauty standards that all affect Black women's physical, mental, and financial health. In spite of those things, Black women are choosing to live full lives, embracing our own beauty, giving ourselves grace, dropping more balls, and feeling less guilt about it. I love that. I really like dropping more balls and feeling less guilt about it. What a beautiful phrase. (laughs) But a number of Black therapists also believe the timing is the result of more Black women going to therapy and talking openly about mental health in this particular generation. Therapist Devin Walker told Insider, if you look at it more so on a community level, we are literally breaking generational curses. We're acknowledging that we don't want the struggle life. We don't want the struggle love. We don't want the struggle job. We don't want any of that. That all sounds great. Like, fuck struggle, fuck hustle. I love that. But Kristen, this all sounds too good to be true. You're not just coming to me being like, here's this great thing (laughs) that has no downsides and that no one's ruined. (laughs) There have to be downsides, right? What are they? Well... There are, because I always do that. I always present downsides. I, I'm sorry, everybody. I don't mean to be a bummer here. but It has to be done. <laughs> so first and foremost, 
there's the concern that black women who embrace the soft life aren't being realistic. Michelle Holder, who, as far as we know, is not related to our producer, Chantel. Chantel doesn't think so, but maybe she is. Michelle Holder, an associate professor of economics at City University of New York, told Anscape, for black women, we face several hurdles. There's still an educational attainment gap at the level of college completion. There is still what I call the double gap in earnings, which is that black women earn the least if we compare black men, black women, white men, and white women. Black women earn the least. My concern is how achievable is the soft life? That being said, Holder doesn't completely dismiss the idea. She added that at the heart of it, it's really about black women seeing a different path for themselves. And that's a good thing. Right. So like, it's great to dream, but, you know, be warned, those dreams may not actually be that easy to achieve. Exactly. Exactly. The second issue is the criticism that Black women have faced for embracing the soft life, with the main criticism being that they're being materialistic. That's because a lot of the social media content around the soft life focuses on good food, vacations, fashionable clothes, and so on. But to that I say, what is so wrong with black women wanting to enjoy all the same material items that have been marketed to white women for as long as marketing has existed? Slavery, Jim Crow, and 400 years of structural racism have historically put many of these material joys out of reach. And what is so wrong with saying, I'm putting them within reach now? That's what I have to say to that. <laughs> I agree. Also, they exist in society. Society is materialistic and capitalistic. What you want them to like have a soft life outside of these constructs for now, yes. it's not yes. going to change. And on top of that, materialism isn't even at the heart of what most soft lifers right. are embracing. As I've already said, at its heart, the soft life is about rejecting the stereotype of the strong black woman whose primary role in life is to be a caretaker or a laborer. That's what it's really about. A soft lifer named Jasmine Turner told She Money that to her, the soft life means pouring into myself and then giving to other people and to my work from my overflow. Um, that's amazing. <laughs> How dare she want to fulfill herself before helping others fulfill themselves? Oh, no, wait. <laughs> that sounds fucking great. I feel like that's something we should all be trying to partake in. And that's not materialistic either. No, it's not. All right. The third issue I want to get to is the accusation that soft lifers are lazy, you know I hate that word. It's basically shorthand for saying, like, I'm judging you as stupid and not trying hard enough and probably not doing what I want you to do. <laughs> yes. And the fact is, soft lifers, they often work very, very hard. They just don't necessarily turn their job into their whole identities. Mm. They don't necessarily believe in doing it all. They don't buy into hustle culture. And a lot of them don't have traditional jobs. Instead, they choose to work as freelancers or for themselves. And I will tell you, as a freelancer myself, that a lot of us do work quite hard. It's hard just to structure your own time, let alone like do the work you have to do. Yes, very, very true. Now, I want to bring up one last issue with the soft life. But in this case, it isn't about Black women at all. It's about how the soft life idea has been hijacked. 
As we all know, anything good black women create is eventually co-opted, repackaged, and sold back to the masses by white people. And to illustrate that, I want to focus on a term that Professor Nicole Jenkins used in that quote I read at the top of this whole segment, self-care. Jolenta, as you and I both know, self-care was a term coined by Audre Lorde, the poet laureate and self-described black lesbian feminist warrior mother in her 1988 book, A Burst of Light. In that book, she wrote, caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. And of course, within a generation, it became about bath bombs and wine country trips and smartwatches. <laughs> and now most Americans have no idea what self-care was originally supposed to be about or who it came from. Exactly. And not surprisingly, that's also started to happen with the soft life surprise. I should have known if it was <laughs> something nice. White people are going to come in and ruin it and claim it. Uh, well, let me give you an example. One of the most vocal soft lifers right now is Tom Trotter, a white male wellness enthusiast working with Samsung. In interviews with Country Living and other publications targeting white readers, he's urged people to practice soft living through meditation, movement, and healthy eating. And surprise, he's urging people to do it through Samsung smart products. Oh, man. And there's nothing whiter than country living. <laughs> And he's not the only one. Look at the soft life hashtag on TikTok or Instagram, and you'll find loads of white influencers, most of whom are selling a version of the soft life that celebrates doing only what you want and quitting everything <laughs> else without the historical or political context. And of course, this iteration of the soft life relies on privilege in the form of social status, generational wealth, and so on. That's how you can live that version of the soft life. Yeah, it's super easy to quit everything you don't like doing when you're rich. <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. It is. Of course. It is. So, Jolenta, I'm just going to wrap all of this up by saying I personally have no criticisms of the soft life, but I also want to say it's not even my place to have an opinion here. This movement is not about me. It's not for me. And it's not for smartwatch companies or white influencers. <laughs> no. This is something by and for Black women. And my goal today was just to give an explainer of what it's about as best I could. It's not about me. Well, thank you. I, for one, learned a lot and will definitely have my ears peeled for uh, when I hear the term soft life and I'm going to look at who's saying it and think about it. <laughs> yeah, I learned a lot doing research on this topic, but I also want to learn from the listeners. Are any of you out there soft lifers? Do you like the idea of the soft life? We want to hear from you. Share your story at kristenangelenta at gmail.com. Or you can weigh in on our private Facebook community. That's facebook.com slash groups slash Kristen Angelenta. Coming up, we're going to hear from a letter writer who's numb after some tough news. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. 
like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. We are back with our first letter of the day. Jolenta, take it away. All right. Our first letter writer says, Dear Kristen and Jalenta, I just got let go from my job. I kind of don't know what to feel. I think once the numbness wears off, it'll be a mix of relief and fear of uncertainty. I'm looking for some words of wisdom along the lines of, so your life's a pile of shit and you need to start over. I've got some advice for you. All right. So letter writer, first and foremost, So your life's a pile of shit and you need to start over? Have we got some advice for you? Boy, howdy. So I gave I gave them what they wanted, right, Jolenta? A hundred percent. And we do have some advice for you. We do. We also have advice for you. We have we have advice as two gals who have been let go more than once from a job. Oh yeah. It's always sort of a blow and you're always sort of numb. And I am glad that you're able to mention a mix of relief and fear of uncertainty that you think will be coming because also like congrats. Clearly that job wasn't going to be a good fit for much longer. So like I'm glad you're moving on. Yes, yes, yes. That relief speaks volumes. Right? Yeah. So, like, hold on to that relief and remember, like, maybe they did you a favor, even though it's jarring and it's going to make you have to do a lot of work to find a new job. Maybe in the long run, they're setting you on a path for something way better. Yes. Also, when it comes to your life being a pile of shit and needing to start over, just remember that, like, everything good comes from shit. Everything grows from shit. What's the best fertilizer? Shit. So flowers, tomatoes, everything wonderful in the world. Yeah. Yeah. From a daisy to a tree to a mango, everything. It all comes from shit. So like you're going to make something great. You have the foundation to grow something great. It's scary. It might be a little smelly. It might be like yucky to touch at first, but In the end, you'll grow something beautiful. So if you're like, oh, my life's a pile of shit, just be like, I can grow something. That's sometimes what I try to tell myself. Yeah. And I just want to lend a bit of perspective here. I know that this doesn't help everybody, but it always helps me to be reminded I'm not the only one going through this. I'm not the only one who will ever go through it. As a matter of fact, we are in what some people are calling a recession now. Some people are not calling it a recession, but very, very large numbers of people are losing their jobs right, right now. In our very industry, Jolenta, half of our friends have lost their oh, jobs. Totally. In Dean's industry, in technology, half of his friends have lost their jobs. We are in a time right now where if you've lost a job, you're not alone. There are other people you can commiserate with. There are other people who you can vent with. There are other people who you can brainstorm with about what your next move can be. You don't have to be the lone person feeling like nobody else can even relate to you. 
lots of people can relate to you right now. And even if they can't relate to you in this very moment, they can remember what it was like when they lost a job because most people have lost a job at some point or another, either because of mass layoffs or just unfortunately, sometimes we get fired, you know. And I just want to ask you to take a moment here, if you can afford to take a moment, to maybe fantasize a little bit about what you want to do next rather than just frantically reach for the next thing immediately. I mean, if financially you have no choice but to reach for the next thing, absolutely do that. But if you can take a day or two to just think about in your free time, when you're not applying for other jobs, when you're not just trying to adult, if you can take a moment here and there in the next few days to think about what would be really fun to do? What would be a job I'd do that I wouldn't be relieved if I got let go from? What would be something that would stretch me or that I would learn from? Maybe just take a little bit of time to think about that and to fantasize. And maybe you can make a pivot slightly. Think also about other people you can talk to, not just who've lost jobs, but who you admire, who maybe can give you advice about what to do next, connect you to new opportunities, and maybe get your spirits up because it's nice to have cheerleaders too. So that's a bit of advice as well. Right. Also, this can be a good time to connect with people, whether it's people you know who either work in your industry or have jobs you want or just have cool jobs or have been laid off recently, too, like Kristen mentioned. Connect with those people. Grab a coffee or drink or a phone call with them and just see if they have any advice, any leads. And also, you can connect with people you don't know. If you are part of a Buy Nothing Facebook group, shout out to our Buy Nothing episode of How to Be Fine. You Mm -hmm. can say you're in search of people who've been laid off to do like a resume writing and proofreading party, or just a meetup of like people commiserating or helping each other with resources for how to find jobs. It's an opportunity to reach out to people. Even though you can feel sort of vulnerable and icky, it's worth it to try to connect. If it weren't for me reaching out to Kristen after getting fired from one job and quitting another, like we wouldn't be podcasting together. So you never know what will come of just like calling a friend and being like, shit, I got fired. So many good things can happen. And your next job, it's going to be better. We just feel it. It's going to be better. And one last thing I also want to say, if it takes a while to get the next job, the general rule of thumb with people who work in the universe of jobs and job placement, what they normally say is for every $10,000 a year of salary you were making, plan on it taking at least one month to find your next job. So if you were making $40,000 a year and it takes four months to get your next job, that's pretty typical. Don't beat yourself up and think, oh my God, it took me four months. Just keep in mind, people who work in job placement say that that is the norm. So manage your expectations. Keep that in mind. Talk to people. Network. Hustle. But also, don't beat yourself up too much. Right. You know, this is not a time to beat yourself up. Keep that perspective keep that knowledge in mind. Okay, we are going to take a quick break. But before we do, we'd be so grateful if you took a hot second to rate us and review us wherever you're listening. Hit five stars, write a little ditty about why you enjoy the show. It helps other people find the show. It helps us know what you think about the show. So give it a try. Coming up, a letter writer is facing an issue with her skin. Stay with us. (laughs) 
You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. All right, we are back with our second letter of the day. Kristen, read it, please. Our second letter writer says, Dear Kristen Angelenta, I was so ready to turn my work from home into a skincare self-care oasis, but I'm still poking at zits like that's my full-time job. I'm realizing I'd be okay rocking no makeup on a regular basis if it wasn't for my glaring self-inflicted wounds, and it's really bumming me out. Not to mention, 30-something skin does not bounce back quite as quickly from such abuse. Have you successfully stopped mangling your face? How did you do it? A letter writer. I feel you so hard. I think Kristen may as well. (laughs) I do too. Yes. And Chantel, our producer, just piped in to say she feels it too. Yes. (laughs) Who doesn't live for picking a good zit? But I also know what it's like to have a bunch of owies on your face from picking, especially when you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, what did I do? Mm -hmm. It's a bummer. And I understand what you mean about 30-something skin not bouncing back the way it used to. It takes a lot longer for those little blemishes that you may have attacked with a tweezer. I'm speaking about myself. Uh, It takes (laughs) takes a lot longer for those little blemishes to heal. My experience is sort of strange in that it took lupus to get me to stop picking once I started getting lesions all over my face that I would kind of pick at that would get infected when I picked at them, that I also wanted to go away quite badly, that really made me stop. And I don't recommend having a lupus flare and your face being covered in lesions. I don't recommend going that route to quit picking. Not recommended. No. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) One thing that has helped me sort of continue to not pick is try to notice when you're picking and what you're feeling. If you're bored, if you're hungry, if you're actually really tired, but like for some reason avoiding going to bed. And if you can kind of dig at what's underneath that habit, what sort of prompts you to go pick, it's easier to deal with the picking because the picking is usually a byproduct of it's my habitual go to for boredom, for stress, you know, what have you. Yeah. In my case, my habitual picking got better when I actually went to a dermatologist and had my skin treated. I had terrible cystic acne starting at the age of 10. And there was so much to pick at. There was so much that was problematic, so much that made me feel ugly, so much that I wanted to take control of. And I felt like picking was a way for me to somehow fight this thing that was happening to my skin. And it took years and different kinds of medications, prescription medications, to finally get my skin looking, I I guess I would say, mostly healthy looking. I'm not saying I have perfect skin by any stretch of the imagination. I do not. She has very good skin. But it was helped in part by getting the underlying issue taken care of by a physician. Right. 
getting a diagnosis of like what's causing outbreaks or lesions or whatever's mm -hmm. going on can help. Because for all you know, there's an allergy, there's a hormone imbalance. It could be totally out of your control. Letter writer, when I say underlying issue, for some people, it's not just that your sebum and your skin and your dermis is the issue. In some cases, it may be that the underlying issue may be something that an anti-anxiety medication may be better suited for. It is not uncommon for people who have certain kinds of OCD, who have certain kinds of anxiety, to do various forms of picking, whether it's picking out their eyebrows, mm -hmm. picking at their skin, pulling out their hair on top of their head, doing things with their fingernails and toenails. These are all very common signs of certain kinds of diagnosable anxiety or OCD. And it's not your fault. If this is something that you have tried and tried and tried to deal with, it may be worth talking to a doctor who specializes in those areas as well, because it may go beyond like, I have acne. It may go beyond... I'm bored. It may be something bigger that may be worth talking with a specialist about. I don't want to diagnose you. I don't know you. But in some cases, that can be true for some people. Right. And then if it's not that severe, but you just don't want to do it anymore, I'd also suggest, I know some people use those acne patches that has a little medicine to help fight the acne. So it's both fighting the acne and it's keeping them from getting their nails up in there. So maybe some patches would work. I know mm -hmm. some people who also said that masking with the rise of COVID helped them to stop touching their faces so much. I'll say that once I started masking, I became very aware of how much I touch my face. Right. <laughs> the mask really pointed that out to me. So maybe you're somebody who's just going to wear a mask more often. Maybe that will help you. And there are also things for people who really like the physical act of picking and like seeing some pus come out. Mm -hmm. They have different toys that are like refillable, I think, where it's like a nose or even like a weird bear that's sort of made out of the silicone material and you like pop little zits and can pluck little hairs. I've also seen on TikTok something called like a picky stone, I think, where there's a pumice stone covered in this paint and you like pluck it out of the little holes. So there are things that can give you the sort of physical and visual satisfaction of picking that don't involve your own skin. We hope that some of that advice helps you. Something in there <laughs> that we suggested. And yeah, we, we know what it's like. I think a lot of people know what this is like. The picking. The picking. It's, right. it's, it's not uncommon. Yeah. And that's it for this episode of How to Be Fine. Huge thank you to our executive producer, Nora Ritchie, our producer, Chantel Holder, and our composer and engineer, Casey Holford. Reminder, you can always weigh in on the conversation at facebook.com slash groups slash Kristen and Jolenta. You can also write to us at kristenandjolenta at gmail.com with comments or to ask for advice. Until next time, I'm Jolenta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. See you next week. Until then, stay fine. Stitcher.